Thank you, Jeff and Gata. What a blessing to be able to do. Uh, not only have you here uh, to share with us about the incredible missions work, uh, but to help lead us in worship. So thank you for being flexible and doing uh, whatever the Lord asks of you. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to talk uh, some more about God's faithfulness. Lord, we are grateful that we have already come through many dangers, uh, snares, and toils, Lord God, and you have brought us safely through those. Lord, you have been faithful. And God, when we've been in heaven with you for 10,000 years, we'll still be telling stories of your faithfulness, not just to us in this life, but your continued faithfulness into eternity. Lord, you are infinitely faithful. We will never exhaust your faithfulness. And God, we'll still be telling new stories 10,000 years from now. And so, Lord, you have a story for us tonight. You have uh, your word, uh, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You have your word that encourages our hearts. And so, God, would you please, as we open your word, would you bless us? Uh, Lord, it felt so much like you wanted us to come here and not think so much about all the stuff we need to do, but to simply rest in the fact of all the things that you are doing have done and will do for us. And so, Lord, let us take a deep breath of your spirit tonight, and may we be blessed through your word and because of his presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're not doing testimonies at the end, but we'd still like to look at some images or think about an image coming out of the Old Testament. We've gone through five of these so far. We sort of talked about the fact that Faithfulness is like a hammer driving a nail into a strong piece of wood. And you can have confidence. You can sort of hang your hat uh, on that. We've talked about that faithfulness uh, is like a mom carrying her baby close uh, and protected nearby her heart. We talked about faithfulness like a cornerstone, solid and secure, uh, that you're able to measure your life off of that. Uh, we talked about faithfulness with regards to nature and creation and the fact that here we are on this planet and God's faithfulness. The sun comes up every morning. It goes down in the evening. The stars are in the sky. Old faithful erupts uh, because God is always at work sustaining and providing in creation. We talked about the fact that water, if you look out over beautiful Go Lake here, that God continues to provide water for us. We've got one more image that I'd like to give you, and this one's a little bit tricky because I have the, the, the visual that I have is actually the negative of the image, but it's a very cool clip. Uh, it's from the movie called The Dark Knight, which is part of a Batman trilogy. So I think the clip will make sense, but I'll explain a little bit uh, of it after we're done. Can we run that clip? All right. Sorry I'm late, folks. Where were you? Where you'd have to step up. Harvey, I know these briefs backwards. Well, the fair's fair. Heads I'll take it, tailsies all yours. Oh, yeah? You want to flip a coin to see who leads? It's my father's lucky coin. As I recall, it got me my first date with you. I wouldn't leave something like that up to chance. I don't. I make my own luck. All rise. The Honorable Judge Friel presiding. I thought the DA just played golf with the mayor, things like that. Tee off's 1.30. More than enough time to put you away for life, Sally. With Carmine Falcone and Arkham, someone must have stepped up to run the so-called family. Is that man in this courtroom today? 
Could you identify him for us, please? You win, counselor. It was me. I have a sworn statement from you that this man, Salvatore Moroni, is the new head of the Falcone crime family. Moroni? He's a fall guy. I'm the brains of the organization. <laughs> Order. Permission to treat the witnesses hostile. Granted. Hostile? I see you hostile! Carbon fiber, 28 caliber, Maine China. If you want to kill a public servant, Mr. Maroney, I recommend you buy American. Get him out of here. But your honor, I'm not done. <clears throat> if you've not seen the movie, hopefully the clip still sort of makes sense. It's interesting, in the book of Isaiah, our word for faithfulness is used in connection with a reliable witness. More often, it's actually used, that phrase, witness, in the Old Testament for a false witness, which is what you see portrayed in this clip. And the idea is, is in the American legal system, we don't really have a term for faithful witness, but we do have a term for a hostile witness. And in a courtroom where a witness does not testify in a way uh, that you think they ought to, uh, the attorney can request to treat the witness as hostile which means they're now able to go through a different line of questioning with that witness. And as we think about the idea that in the scriptures, God over and over again says, don't bear false witness, the opposite of that is faithful witness, true witness, a person who does what they say they're going to do and in a court of law stands up and testifies exactly the way they're supposed to do it. They don't tend to make movies like that. So I didn't have a movie clip of that. This is the opposite, where the DA is expecting the witness to do one thing, but the mob has gotten to the witness and paid him off so that he does something else. That's an unreliable witness. But when we think about God's faithfulness, tonight as we go through our passage, we want to think about it with some legal terminology or some legal understanding, and that God is described as a reliable witness, a faithful witness. So some of you might have a Bible, some of you might have a phone. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. If you don't have it, that's perfectly fine. I'll be reading it for us. You can just listen along as we go through this. 1 John chapter 1. Now some of you, when you picked up the pattern of what we're doing, you might have thought of some of your favorite passages and said, well, I wonder if we're going to talk about that passage or this passage. Like I said this morning, there's lots of times... Uh, where God says that he is faithful. I will tell you, this was one of the first passages that came to mind when I sort of thought about this idea, and you'll probably recognize it. We're in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, and I'm going to read to uh, 1 John 2, verse 2. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. John writes to us and says, God is faithful that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's this aspect of God's faithfulness that I'd like to just talk with you uh, for just a few minutes this evening about. Now, one of the things you may not know, but for preachers, you know, we're trying to figure stuff out and you come up with illustrations, and I have no idea how anyone gave a sermon before Google. Because Google is super useful to be like, well, how does this work? I don't know very much about the legal profession. I know we've got some people with some law background, so if what I get is wrong, just be kind and gracious. I did the best I could to figure it out. But my understanding is, is sort of when you have a trial in the American justice system, you have sort of an arraignment, which is the opportunity for the person who has the charges that are coming against them. They get to plead. You can either plead guilty, not guilty, or no contest. And in sort of my Google searching of this, again, this could be wrong, but this was my understanding uh, from Mr. Google, uh, was the idea that most people plead not guilty, even when they're guilty. And the reason they plead not guilty is they're trying to get more time to find out the evidence that the government has against them or more time for their defense to be able to come together and present it. Some people will plead no contest, which is similar to guilty, but apparently protects you in sort of civil courts. And so what we have here at the beginning of our passage is this opportunity. You can think of it as an arraignment, if you will. If we confess our sins... You see, all the other passages that we've looked at were unconditional, but this one is conditional. God's faithfulness to protect us and strengthen us against the evil one, God's faithfulness not to let us go through more than what we can bear, those are unconditional promises. But here, we have this opening phrase, if we confess our sins. And one of the temptations is, is when the Holy Spirit brings conviction on us, if you're like me, we want to plead not guilty. We want to plead not guilty because we, we're hoping it's not true. We want to plead not guilty because we want more time to kind of formulate what it is that we might say in our defense. And when the Spirit brings to mind something that we've done where we've fallen short of what God wants for us, our natural human inclination is to delay, to deny, to ignore, to try to have nothing to do with it. But the problem with doing that, twofold. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the prosecutor. <laughs> and if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And God cannot lie. The other reason to plead guilty as soon as possible. This is the avenue to experience the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness in this passage doesn't come until you and I admit that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the longer we delay, the longer we try to hold it at bay, the longer we try to say, no, no, it can't be that, the longer we're holding off the faithfulness of God. The rest of this verse is super positive and encouraging. But our natural human tendency 
is when we come face to face with something we might have done wrong. No, 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 no. I want to hear more evidence. No, 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 no. I don't want to, I don't want to believe that. No, 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 no. But let me just encourage you as we start into this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. None of us in this room are without sin. None of us in this room are able to say, you know, uh, Lord, I'm innocent in your sight. And so for this verse, my encouragement to us is as you think through what are ways even today that you might have fallen short of what God wants for you? Ways in which you could have done something and you didn't do something to encourage you to think through that and to simply acknowledge it. Because once we do that, then the rest of the verse kicks in. The longer we delay, the more we're just holding back God's faithfulness. And in the rest of our sessions, we've talked about how beautiful and wonderful God's faithfulness is. It's just as wonderful in this one as well. And as soon as you and I, in our arraignment, stand up and say, guilty, then the rest of the verse kicks in. And what is the rest of the verse? God says he will do two things for us. Once we confess our sins, he gets a chance to demonstrate his faithfulness, and he forgives our sins, and then cleanses us or purifies us from all unrighteousness. So the first thing that God says that he will do is forgive our sins. The language of forgiveness in Greek in the Bible has to do with the canceling of a debt. We see this in another passage in the Gospel of Luke. Can you put up the passage from the Gospel of Luke? Jesus says to Simon, he's at his house, and there's this woman who is uh, at Jesus' feet weeping. Uh, because she has been uh, forgiven for so many sins and she is wiping his feet with her, with her hair and crying and washing them with her tears. And Simon the Pharisee looks at this woman and says, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman it was who was touching him. And Jesus says, Simon, let me tell you a little story. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And here Jesus is comparing forgiveness of sins with the forgiving of debts. And so to put it in sort of modern terminology, imagine that you've got a credit card. And every time that you and I choose to lie or to gossip, when we choose to give way to anger, lustful thoughts, when we say hurtful words to another person, we're simply making a charge on the credit card. We're just running the credit card. And imagine that every time that we decide, you know what, uh, I'm going to engage in this activity that God's told me not to do, another charge on the credit card. Here's where the analogy breaks down a little. Imagine every time we pass up an opportunity to do something good, another charge on the credit card. Day after day, we're just racking up charges on this credit card. Well, what this verse is saying is, if we confess our sins, what does God do? He just pays the bill. He just pays the whole thing. Every time you confess your sins, 
Now, I know what it's like. We get an Amazon bill too, and you look at the whole thing, you're like, oh my goodness, how in the world did this happen? I would love if at any point you're like, well, that's the bill. God, would you please pay this? This is his promise. No matter what we charge that card, no matter what we do, if we confess it, if we acknowledge that's my charge, we sometimes in our family have to kind of figure out who ordered this from Amazon. And there's some quiet, like, well, we're not sure exactly who ordered this. But if we're willing to acknowledge that is my charge, guess what God does? He pays it every time. Every single charge, every debt. This is his faithfulness. He never stops paying one of the debts. Now, the U.S. justice system doesn't work this way. Even if you declare bankruptcy, there are still certain things that the U.S. government will not forgive. Student loans, not covered by that. Alimony payments. In fact, I think there are 19 things that the U.S. government refuses to forgive. But not God. Any charge on that card, no matter how big, no matter how many times the same thing is charged over and over and over again, the faithfulness of God, I'll pay it. I'll pay for all of it. It's all paid for. All we have to do is simply confess those things to the Lord. And so I've started a habit some years ago. My very first thing I do, I start my prayer time with praises and thanksgiving. And then I just simply ask the Lord, Lord, please forgive all my sins. I ask God to point out what some of them might be because I'm, I would like to know. But sometimes I'm like, look, could you just pay the bill? Whatever's on that, even the stuff I don't know about. Look at this verse in Psalm uh, 19. Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. You know what David's doing there? He's like, whatever the charges are, even if I don't remember buying the stuff. Please forgive. And you know what God does? He absolutely and totally does that. If you've not had a practice like that, let me just encourage you. At the start of every day or at the end of every day, Lord, whatever is charged to that account, please show me I want to grow, I want to become more sanctified, but the charges I don't even know about, would you forgive me for my hidden faults? And the promise of God is that every time that we do that, he pays the bill. The second thing that God says that if we're just willing to confess is that he will not only pay the bill, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a slightly different image and it has to do with the image of dirt. And that our sin is especially associated with dirt and contamination. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus is going around on the Last uh, Supper, washing his disciples' feet, he gets to Peter, and Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? And Jesus says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. And Peter says, no, no, no. He has a funny way of telling Jesus what he should and shouldn't do. And Jesus says to him, and he actually, see, washing feet is not just about servanthood. Jesus is washing his feet, and he says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part with me. And John, Peter says, well, then wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand what's going on here. He says, you're clean, which means you're saved. 
But the problem is, is that you and I as saved people, even as we walk through life, our feet get dusty and they get dirty. And that Jesus has to clean them off and purify them. How many of you, and you can be honest and raise your hands, how many of you during COVID took the hand washing thing seriously? I totally did. That's not my nature, but especially early on. I remember going to the grocery store and coming home and being like, I can't touch anything until I wash my hands and sing happy birthday, whatever, twice or something. Why? Because we feel like we have this dirt and we have this grime. We have something that could be dangerous on our hands. This is what sin is. It contaminates us. It makes us dirty. And Jesus says, if you are not clean, you can't hang out with me. It doesn't call your salvation into question. But if you don't have your feet washed on a daily basis, you can't interact with me. That's why Peter says, okay, I agree. The faithfulness of God is every time that you and I sin. The contamination, the shame, the guilt, the dirtiness, no matter how big or how small. Every time when we confess, God is faithful and he totally cleanses our hands, our feet. Again, the U.S. government does not do that. Even after people have supposedly paid their debt to society, ex-convicts can't vote for president. Registered sex offenders continue to be on a registered sex offender list. We do background checks at our church. I'm sure your church does them as well. And so we go, people sign up for kids ministry or whatever, we get background checks. I'm telling you, the stuff is still on the records. And so we regularly have to get together as a leadership team. And it's stuff, we got one the other day that was like, this is from 1974. This person has this on their record. Can we let them serve? Yep, <laughs> we think that we know that person, God's forgiven them. But the government doesn't do that. But this is what Jesus does. He totally and completely washes that stuff away so that it's no longer clean. So that you are clean, it's no longer remembered. In the court of public opinion, people don't do that, do they? People are pulling out pictures from 50 years ago. Statements that people made 20 years ago. And they're getting canceled as a result of that. That is not what Jesus does. Jesus says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive those sins. He will pay those debts and he will wash all the shame and the guilt away. Think about it, washing your hands. You've ever had anybody over for your house, uh, have, uh, have somebody come over to your house for dinner and be like, hey, what were you doing with your hands like five days ago? No, we don't think that because once you've washed your hands, they're clean. You might have been in the garden. You might have been spreading manure, doing whatever. But you've washed your hands. We don't care anymore. It's gone. There is no trace of it anymore. When you shake somebody's hands, you're not like, I wonder what they did with their hands like two years ago. It's gone. This is what Jesus does for us. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all dirtiness, all shame, all guilt. Now you hear this, and you might think, well, this is ripe for abuse. You're telling me I can just go out with my credit card, 
that has an infinite credit on it. And I can lie, I can cheat, I can steal, I can swear, I can get angry, I can do it. I can just charge this card over and over and over again. And if at the end of the day, I confess those sins, they get paid for? And all the dirtiness and the shame and the guilt, you mean I can do whatever I feel like doing and if I confess that to the Lord, He's going to just wash that all away? That does seem ripe for abuse, doesn't it? Here's the crazy thing. God does ask the question, why would you want to live like that? But the response is, is yeah, it's ripe for abuse. Because He's faithful... When we confess our sins, he forgives us and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Which is what the rest of the passage has to say. Notice in verse of chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. You see, when you show up with that list of charges, when your hands are covered in guilt and shame, and Satan wants to say, you're not going to pay that bill again, are you? You've already paid for that sin over and over and over again. And Satan says, who is the accuser of Christians, he says to the Father, you're not dumb enough to pay that bill again, are you? You're not going to really wash this person clean. They're just going to go back into the mud and do it all over again. Do you know who stands up at that moment? Jesus Christ, who is our advocate. It's a legal term. He's our faithful witness. At that moment, you might expect Jesus to turn on us and be like, man, I'm, I'm just as disappointed in that guy as you are. That's not what he does. And every time, he turns to the Father and said, but I paid for those sins. I earned that credit. This is what I wanted to apply to. You see, there is one time in the New Testament where we get the phrase faithful witness. Revelation chapter 1. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Which means every single time we come to court. No matter whether the charges are big or small. No matter whether or not they have been there time and time again or this is our first time to stumble into this. Even if we don't fully grasp what we've done or we are totally aware and have sinned with a high hand. Every time we confess our sins, Jesus Christ is a faithful witness he never does what we he never does the opposite of what we expect he never stands up and says not this time every time he says i forgive you i paid for that my blood washes that clean this is the faithfulness of god it's unheard of the government u.s government doesn't do that culture doesn't do that Society doesn't do that. We remember. We hold grudges. We cancel people. We remind them of all the mistakes that they've made. We want to bring it up and say, hey, look, okay, we'll do it this time, but don't let it happen again. Not Jesus. Every time 
Every time, he stands up to testify. They've confessed. I've paid the price. Forgive their debts. Wash them clean. And let them keep going. This is the faithfulness of God. Let's close in prayer. Father, who are we that you should treat us this way? Lord, the amount of sins in my life and in this room that you have forgiven totally, completely, and freely is mind-blowing. The fact that, Jesus, that despite our sinning so many times, you continue to be a faithful witness. I don't know what would happen in the court of heaven if you ever turned on us. And I'm grateful that you never will. Even when we're faithless, Jesus, you remain faithful. You cannot deny yourself. And so I thank you. Lord, I pray for each person in this room. Maybe there's some here who have been pleading not guilty. Maybe they've been planning to plead no contest. Maybe they're delaying. Lord God, please, all they're doing is delaying your faithfulness. God, would you help us to humble our hearts? to confess our sins, to accept this beautiful gift. It is humbling. But God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. And thank you, Jesus, for advocating on our behalf every time as a faithful witness. We thank you and pray this in your name. Amen.